another episode of Jake's Takes. My name is Jake. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the podcast. And on this week's episode of the podcast, we are going to be looking at the NBA Christmas Day games, which have been set. We are going to be looking at um, some of the huge NBA returns, um, players returning to their former teams. Um, and then we will be looking at um, some fantasy, uh, ESPN Fantasy Basketball um, news. I created a fancy basketball team with ESPN, and so I'm going to be going over all of that as well. So we're going to start with the Christmas Day games. Now, usually every year Christmas Day games are five of them. Usually one starts, I think, around noon, um, 11 or noon-ish, and then it goes throughout the night with one game, usually two Western Conference teams setting off at like 10 o'clock at night. And then you have two Eastern Conference teams at around 7 or 8 o'clock prime time, um, I guess, at night. Usually people are done with their Christmas celebrations and they are at home with their presents and just watching basketball. Because while football is Thanksgiving's holiday... Um, Christmas basketball is its holiday. It's a uh, sport to watch. So the first, um, I don't know if these are in any order. This is just how I'm looking at it. The Clippers and the Lakers is the first matchup we're going to look at. So obviously you have the two greatest teams in Los Angeles, which really makes for uh, a great Christmas matchup and you probably expected this I didn't really think of it but you probably expected once Kawhi Leonard joined the Clippers with Paul George that they were going to do a Clippers versus Lakers on Christmas Day because it seems like it's the best matchup and um, you have the two potential front runners in the Eastern Conference battling it out for supremacy um, and it's a good situation so I think the Clippers are going to win this game, um, and I think it's going to be a hard-fought game. On Christmas Day, you're going to get um, the best look at both squads head-to-head, which would basically be a precursor to a potential Western Conference Finals matchup between these two teams. And so that is, um, I guess, game number one, or the first game that I'm seeing here. Then we have the Boston Celtics and the Toronto Raptors. And the Boston Celtics have been a Christmas Day uh, team for a little while now. Um, I can remember watching the Celtics play the Knicks on Christmas Day when they had Pierce and Garnett. And then uh, there was a period where they took a break. And now with, you know, last year they had Kyrie. This year now they have Kemba Walker. So you have the Celtics um, on Christmas Day, and they're playing the Raptors, who are no Kawhi Leonard this year. Um, they definitely look like a diminished version of, um, I guess, the Raptors. I would have chosen the Celtics versus Indiana, because it would have been a matchup of the first round last year, and I think Indiana would have had something to, to prove in that sense. But Celtics versus Raptors is going to be a good game to watch. Um, and I would pick the Celtics... And it's a lot of bias of an answer, but Celtics. Then we have the um, New Orleans Pelicans taking on the Denver Nuggets. And so this is kind of the, you know, outsiders um, sort of NBA Christmas Day game. I would have liked to see 
Portland take on Denver because I think Portland is a better team than the Pelicans. But you have Zion his first year. You have Drew Holiday. You have sort of their Lonzo Ball, Lakers, former players, um, taking on the Nuggets, who many people view as a very good team in the Western Conference. And, you know, top to bottom, they have a good roster. And so this is going to be a very good game to watch. I couldn't pick one over the other. I'll probably say the Nuggets. But I think Zion's going to have a good game. And I think, you know, it's going to be a good, you know, matchup there because you have, you know, great shooting on both sides with uh, Drew Holiday and then Jamal Murray and Gary Harris. You have great, you know, bigs down low who are kind of still, you know, developing. Zion's the rookie. Uh, Jackson Hayes is the rookie. And you have Brandon Ingram now. And then you have on the other side the. I guess you could call him a rookie. Uh, he was drafted last year, Michael Porter Jr. And then you have the, you know, Joker. Um, and now Jeremy Grant from OKC is playing for Denver. So you have an actually pretty good situation there on both sides. Good head coaching. Um, good just team atmosphere. So I'd say it's a toss-up. Nuggets get the victory. Then we have the presumed Eastern Conference Finals teams, the Bucks and the 76ers. Um, I think this was the foregone conclusion for a uh, Christmas Day game, Eastern Conference edition. Um, you want to pit up the best in the East against each other. And, I mean, just from an off-season standpoint, the Bucks and 76ers look like they're going to be the best two teams in the East. And um, when you look at Milwaukee, they have a solid group of guys surrounding them with, um, you know, Giannis. And they re-signed Chris Middleton. They re-signed Brooke Lopez. They added Wesley Matthews. Um, they re-signed George Hill. They added uh, Kyle Korver in free agency. Uh, Robin Lopez, and so, yes, they lost Malcolm Brogdon, but what they added were pieces that actually make them better because Corver and Wesley Matthews are better three-point shooters and free-throw shooters than Malcolm Brogdon and are actually better shooting guard small forward fits, um, in my opinion, than, um, you know, who they had in Brogdon. But um, I think on the 76ers' side, they have one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference in terms of their starting lineup because you have Ben Simmons, who is an all-star level point guard. You have Josh Richardson, who is a 20-point uh, score. Last season, this season, he'll be somewhere around 14 probably because, you know, when you're going to a team with a lot more better players, your numbers will drop because um, you have to take a back seat. And then you have Tobias Harris, who was the power forward, moving small forward. Then you add Al Horford into this, who was probably the best defender on Joel Embiid. And then Joel Embiid, if he can stay healthy. You know, I think 76ers, um, they win that game. And I think, you know, they have a great roster. And it's very hard for me to pick the Bucks just because looking at their rosters, 76ers got tr tremendously better. And so I think, in my opinion... I got to rock with Milwaukee in that one. And then you have the uh, last game. I'm assuming this is the last game of the night. Um, it's the last uh, game that I'm reading. 
Rockets versus Warriors. So you have most likely the best backcourt in the NBA with Russell Westbrook and James Harden, who are two MVP caliber players. Taking on Steph Curry and D'Angelo Russell, Clay Thompson is injured um, at this point, or would be injured at this point. And so you have the best backcourt, in my opinion, right now in Houston, taking on the Warriors, who are one of the best teams in basketball, with Draymond Green, with D'Angelo Russell now, and Steph Curry. And so um, you basically have a better situation in Houston. You have Capella. Still P.J. Tucker, Eric Gordon. And so I think their starting lineup is going to be, um, as I said before, um, Westbrook, James Harden, and then you're probably going to throw in uh, Eric Gordon, P.J. Tucker, and Clint Capella. And then on the other side, Kayvon Looney, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, um, when healthy, um, and then you have at shooting guard, D'Angelo Russell, point guard, um, Steph Curry. I don't know who would play small forward while uh, Clay Thompson's injured. But you have two of the best basketball teams uh, going forward. And it's going to be a great great game to watch. And I probably won't watch it because it's going to probably be on late. And I'm not really going to want to stay up, especially if it's Christmas and you know, I'm trying to watch all the games, plus trying to do all the Christmas Day family get-together stuff. I probably won't feel like staying up for a game if, you know, it's on at 10 o'clock or whatever and then it keeps going. And um, I think, uh, yeah, I probably won't watch the whole thing, but I'll watch some of it, and it's going to be a good game. Uh, so, yeah. Moving on to um, some other important NBA games um, next season. So, these are all games return. Return games for players who got traded or released or signed as free agents. So, um, we have the first one, which I guess um, is in November, is November 27th. Kyrie Irving and the Brooklyn Nets come to Boston. Kyrie returns to Boston. Now, I don't think Kyrie Irving's exit was as bad as um, a lot of people think. I think Kyrie Irving left on good terms. I actually read something um, that, you know, some of the players, Tatum and uh, Marcus Smart and those guys, they're still, they still talk to Kyrie. And I actually think um, they still have a good relationship. And I read an article talking about the uh, owner of the Celtics, Wick Grisbeck, uh, got a text message, a lengthy text message with Kyrie, and it was a back and forth between them. He was just thanking Wick for the opportunity and for playing here and everything. And so I don't think there's bad blood on Kyrie's side, nor do I think there's bad blood on the Celtics' side. I think it just happened to be that this situation didn't work out. And it wasn't like Kyrie was leaving because he hated the Celtics or he didn't want to be in Boston. It was because he realized, and what the Celtics realized was, He's not the right fit. And in sports, not every player is going to work on every team. You know, you have guys who are successful in different franchises and play better in different franchises. You look at Isaiah Thomas, he played great in Boston and was almost an MVP, an all-star that year. And then you have him go to 
you know, all these other places, Los Angeles, Cleveland, and he wasn't good. So it all depends on, I guess, where you play and, you know, that sort of situation. And so for Kyrie, I think it's going to be a rejoicing, uh, warm welcome coming back to Boston. While I do think some fans don't like Kyrie, and I think there were a lot of people who wanted him out already um, when free agency started, they didn't even want the Celtics to engage. Uh, I think it's going to be a warm welcome. Uh, then we have also on uh, November 27th, which is um, going to be a great night for reunions, at least in Boston, probably not in New Orleans. Anthony Davis is returning to um, New Orleans, and I don't think this one is going to be as warm welcome. Um, and I feel like it's because of the way everything kind of turned out and how Anthony Davis was really being manipulated by his agent, and it was not something that I wanted to see. And NBA fans, they didn't want to see it. Obviously, New Orleans Pelicans fans didn't want to see it. And so, Anthony Davis will be returning to New Orleans, and I think, you know, they're still going to do some sort of ceremony because he did play the first portion of his career in New Orleans and was drafted there. And I think Anthony Davis still has love for New Orleans, even though he realized it was time to get out. Um, I think it won't be in terms of the fans. You'll hear a lot of boos because he left them and they feel like, you know, it was a bad situation just the way it all turned out. So, um, yeah, on the 27th, uh, AD returns to New Orleans. Then on um, December 11th, we have Kawhi Leonard. He returns to Toronto. Um, December 11th, he will be going to Air Canada. I think that is going to be a warm embrace, and they're going to do a big video uh, tutorial. Um, they're going to show their support and love for uh, Kawhi Leonard because he brought them in the, the city, the country of Canada, their first championship, NBA championship. And to be honest with you, I think they're going to be, you know, very happy with how, um, you know, with him coming back because of how he brought them their first title. And I think they gave DeMar DeRozan a warm welcome on his return. Leonard's going to get the same treatment. And so I think um, players are going to, you know, give him a warm embrace. Drake's going to come over that uh, Arab fan who is like the number one Raptors fan who always wears the turban at the games and he sits courtside, he's probably going to give Kawhi some sort of embrace just because he's such a you know, famous Toronto Raptors fan. Um, I think it's going to be a good situation, and I think um, it's going to be a warm welcome. And then we go to uh, January 9th. Uh, January 9th will be the Russell Westbrook return to Oklahoma City. And I think this one is also going to be a warm embrace um, because I feel like Russell Westbrook gave his heart to the city and he was there through their championship runs with Kevin Durant and with Ibaka and James Harden. And then he stuck through it with Paul George and Oladipo. And then, you know, when Paul George got traded, he wanted out because he thought that was kind of the end. And so I think he's going to get, you know, from his coach or former coach, I should say, and some of the players, they'll, you know, give him a hug and dap him up and whatever. And I think it'll be, you know, a great video on the, the board, uh, scoreboard up top. And I think, you know, they'll, you know, salute him and 
I think it'll be, you know, a great situation for um, all sides. Um, and then, at the same token, flipping the sides to when uh, Chris Paul goes back to Houston, I think, you know, that'll also be, in a sense, a warm embrace. I think Chris Paul was not as influential to the city of Houston as um, Westbrook was to OKC because of the fact that Chris Paul only played, you know, a few seasons with the uh, Rockets. But I think there'll be a video tribute, and I think James Harden will go over P.J. Tucker, Eric Gordon, those guys will say what's up, and maybe Mike D'Antoni, you know. I think it'll be a good situation, and um, to be honest, I think that'll be, you know, a great, you know, tribute to him and his time in um, the city. So, yeah, those are some of the um, big names that will be having there. Um reunions with their former teams at their former stadiums and it'll be something to watch um i probably i'll probably watch Kyrie's game because i'll probably be watching a lot of the celtics games and so it'll be you know a great to see and i think there's no bad blood there and i don't really think there's a lot of bad blood um with a lot of these situations it's it's the nba it's a business this is what happens fans you know how they realize that and you know it's just how things go so uh yeah those are some of the games moving forward the next thing that i want to talk about is um my fantasy basketball espn uh team so i did my um draft and i try to do uh one of these every single year just so it gives me something uh to look forward to for the NBA season, but more importantly, it gives me, you know, stuff that I can talk about during my podcast, where I can focus on the players on my team. So the draft for this NBA ESPN um, fancy basketball took place uh, this week, and um, I'm going to go over my squad um, right now. So, um, my first pick was James Harden and James Harden is my point guard. He plays point guard and shooting guard in ESPN. Um, that's what they have him as. So he is my point guard. Actually, he got drafted as a shooting guard, but I'm playing him at the point guard because my shooting guard is Bradley Beal, who is going to be the best player for the Washington Wizards and is hopefully going to get me a lot of points. I was happy to get Bradley Beal on my roster. And, um, yeah, he is my shooting guard. Then I have at small forward Jason Tatum. And I actually think Jason Tatum is going to have a better year than last. He averaged um, a lot less points, 14 points, uh, six rebounds, two assists last year. And this year, um, just based on the early projections, they have him at 15 points, 6 rebounds, and 2 assists over the 31 minutes. So I think Tatum is going to have an uptick. I think his numbers might go a little bit higher than that just because of the players on the Celtics at the moment. And so, uh, yeah, Tatum is my small forward. Then we have at power forward LaMarcus Aldridge, who is a very, very good basketball player. Um, 
and uh, he is a very, very um, good big man. He can play power forward, and he can play center. I have him at power forward, um, and he is a dependable big, so I'm expecting a good season out of him. He is expecting to get 21 points and 9 rebounds. Then we have my center, who is Al Horford. Now, I actually had Al Horford last year, but um, he is now on Philadelphia. Drafted him because he's a good player and a solid uh, center. And so he is going to average, or at least what ESPN says, 13.6 rebounds, 4 assists. And so he is going to be my center. My starting guard, uh, because the way ESPN does their fantasy basketball, they have a guard a forward, three utility players, and three bench players. Um, my guard is Trey Young. And he is um, my original point guard. He's going to average 19 points, 8 assists, 3 rebounds. I had him at point guard, or at least that's what he was drafted as my starting point guard because James Harden was my starting shooting guard. But when I had Bradley Beal put into the lineup, um, I moved Harden to point guard. And Trey Young is just my starting guard. So I think he's going to have a good season, better season than last year. And I think he's going to be a good, solid, young point guard. And so, yeah. Then my forward is Josh Richardson, who is expected to average 16 points, 4 assists, 3 rebounds. So um, I think um, he got around the same last year, and that's why they're putting him there. I think his numbers might decrease a little bit. I think he's going to have some games where he av he has like 30 points or like 28 points, but I think he's going to average somewhere in the 15-14 range because he's on a team now that has so many more players than um, what um, he had last year, or at least good enough players. Then we have my utility player, number one, C.J. McCollum. So I actually have, if you count James Harden as a shooting guard, the probably the top three shooting guards in the NBA with Klay Thompson injured. You have Harden, you have um, C.J. McCollum, and Bradley Beal. And, you know, C.J. is part of Portland's Splash Brothers, and I think he is going to have as good of a season this year as he did last year. And so I think um, he is going to be, you know, that guy. He's going to be successful, and he's going to, you know, be their number two option. Then we have um, Ennis Cantor, who is my second utility player. He is projected to average 13 points and just under 10 rebounds, 9.8 rebounds. And so Cantor is going to get the lion's share of minutes. They say he's going to average, minutes-wise, 19. And Cantor, you know, he's going to have to step up because um, he's going to be the primary, you know, center. And so I think um, he probably will average around 13 points. That makes uh, sense. And I guess around 10 rebounds also makes sense. Uh, maybe the numbers for points might be a shade below. 13, but I think he's still going to be close to, if not over, that double-double mark. And then my last utility player, um, 
at the moment is Brooke Lopez. And Brooke Lopez had a very good season last year with Milwaukee. And they re-signed him. And he is expected to average 12.5 points, 5 rebounds, um, and play 28 minutes. So, um, you know, he is going to be a very, very good addition to um, the... uh, you know, to this team, Milwaukee, and I think he's going to be good for my team, um, this basketball team. Then we have my bench, which is the three other players um, that will switch in on and off when needed. So first we have Jerry and Grant, Jeremy and Grant, who is uh, with Denver. He's going to, it says he's going to average 13 points, five rebounds. I don't know how accurate that is, but He's going to be definitely coming off the bench as a six-man, most likely. Um, I'm assuming um, that they're going to have Jokic in the starting lineup. And then, um, I don't know who they would have at power forward, probably Paul Millsap. Um, So, I think uh, Grant's going to be their six-man and sort of their number one power forward big off the bench. Then we have uh, Spencer Dimwitty, who is going to... Um, average, they say he's going to average 16, and he's going to average about four assists and um, two and a half rebounds. Um, He can play point guard and shooting guard. I'm sure he's going to get more shooting guard minutes. Um, He'll probably be the first guard off the bench, and then they'll probably, once Kyrie gets tired, they'll switch him to point guard and put in one of the other guys off the bench um, to take his place at shooting guard, and he'll move to point guard. And then um, we have Darius Garland, who is my sort of bench uh, final piece. Now, he is a rookie, so he has um, no real projections at the moment. And so um, I think... I think he's going to get a lot of minutes. I think he's going to be the number one option for uh, Cleveland. And I like Darius Garland. And so we didn't get to see a lot of him in college. But, you know, I think he's going to surprise some people. And I think he's going to be one of the top scorers for the Cavaliers. I would think he's going to average somewhere around 13 to 14 points. And probably somewhere around six um, assists. So, uh, yeah, Darius Garland. Um, So, yeah, that is my uh, fantasy basketball, ESPN fantasy basketball roster. Um, The players that I have chosen. Um, I like my roster. I think my roster is one of the better ones out there. And so I think I am um, happy with how everything turned out in the draft. And I can't really complain uh, moving forward. So... Yeah, that is my team, and that's where I'm at. The final thing I want to talk about is something that occurred in the the news involving Griffin, who is now with the Pelicans, LeBron James, and the Cleveland Cavaliers, and that situation. And um, basically what happened was David Griffin, in the three years with Cleveland, got the championship. He said it was stressful and miserable during this time because of LeBron James, um, 
even though they won a championship, um, and it was the fact that James is very, very hard to work with. Um, he didn't like the fact that uh, he took over and kind of made this his team. He didn't like a lot of the, you know, situations that took place. And, um, you know, it seemed like there was an issue with, um, you know, their relationship that it's a difficult one and, you know, it was, uh, tough to work with. And, um, LeBron James, I guess, got into the situation himself. Uh, he tweeted, all right, all right, enough is enough. The throne has been played with too much and I ain't for horseplay either coming soon. I don't know if that was specifically geared towards David Griffin, but it came out after these comments. And so a lot of people think that, you know, he uh, put that towards Griffin or it was meant to be tweeted at Griffin. But um, it's probably a very, very difficult situation to have to deal with if you're David Griffin and you have the best player in the world on your basketball team. You think about Kobe. He was the best for a long time in the 2000s. You have Jordan, who was the best in the 90s. You have Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, who kind of were the two best players in the 80s. And every decade, there's been some sort of transcendent player. And if that person wants something, they're going to get it. And if you're David Griffin and you're making these decisions, you know, you have to look at it from LeBron's standpoint, what can we do to make our best player happy? And so I don't know if they would have wanted to trade Andrew Wiggins and Anthony Bennett and whatever else they threw in for Kevin Love, but it was a move that LeBron James really wanted because Kevin Love was the one player at the time who was on a team that wasn't working out and he wanted a change in scenery. So you had Kyrie, LeBron, then you got Kevin Love, they won championship. And I guess Griffin, he doesn't really care as much about that in comparison to everything else, um, he, you know, went to the finals so many years with Cleveland, and he was very, very successful with them. It's just, it was probably stressful, and it was hard and miserable, because you have to, you know, take orders from someone who's the player, and you're not really supposed to, you know, if you're in that position, take orders from players, you know, because um, even though LeBron James is the best player, it's still... David Griffin running the show and you know it's tough you know being a superstar and asking for so much uh and then kind of this situation now um is coming out where we're learning about what Griffin actually felt during his time in Cleveland and so I guess LeBron James kind of has that effect I'm sure in Los Angeles there is going to be a lot of times when LeBron James is going to make those decisions I think you know in Miami, LeBron made a lot of those decisions as well. I think it was more Dwayne Wade's team, but, you know, the first stint in Cleveland, LeBron kind of ran the show too. So I think with LeBron James, that's what you got to expect. And if it's not what you like, then you can kind of leave and go somewhere else. I think um, he, LeBron James is that type of player that he's so big and powerful that it's kind of where you got to go and you got to expect, you know, this situation to be how it is. And if that's not what you're looking for, then that's fine. I guess you move on. But I think I think the comments um, that were made by Griffin might have been a little bit out of context. But in actuality, there probably is a lot of truth to the situation because um, it was probably stressful for him and it was probably hard. So um, 
I guess we're going to have to see how it works out in Los Angeles. Obviously, LeBron James got Anthony Davis, and whether that was a little bit of a force of him telling the Lakers, hey, this is what I want you to do, or if it was actually what the Lakers were planning on doing is another story. But, you know, we'll see how it works out and how all these moves work out. Because you look at the Lakers right now, they are becoming a Cleveland Cavaliers-esque team with a bunch of veterans and your superstar. And so you saw it in Cleveland. You had Kevin Love, Kyrie Irving, uh, Tristan Thompson, and then a bunch of veterans, Amon Schumpert, J.R. Smith, uh, Kyle Korver was there for a while, George Hill. And then, you know, I think the Lakers are kind of mirroring that to a sense. You had it in Miami, Bosch, Dwayne Wade. Then you had um, Juwan Howard and Rashard Lewis and Ray Allen and, you know, veterans in that sense. So that's how LeBron James plays his style of basketball. He is a veteran who has superstars with him and veterans filling out the minimum contracts on the side. So I guess we'll see how it works out for Griffin. He's in a better situation where he's kind of running the show with the Pelicans. Um, And so I think this is now going to be his chance to kind of make things his way. And, you know, with LeBron, it's tough to kind of be a, you know, person in that position and make the decisions because you have to worry about LeBron. So, yeah, we're going to see how it turns out. Not 100% sure how it will, but I guess um, we'll get there when we get there. So uh, it's going to be something we got to watch. So I think that's going to do it for this week's episode of the podcast. Tune in to next week's episode where we talk about more basketball topics and um, information.